Have you recently had a close encounter? A close encounter with something very unusual. Who are you people? With the Watches Podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today, Ryan is taking us back to the 1970s to talk about another Steven Spielberg classic, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Ryan, take it away. Okay. So, uh, as Alan just said, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a Steven Spielberg's movie. Uh, it was directed by him, obviously. It was also written by him, but only because he changed the script so much, the original writer wanted nothing to do with it, so he gave himself credit. Um, wow. Music, uh, music by John Williams, but more on that later. It was released in November of 1977. Um, so, it, my experience with this, I saw this when I was young. Again, before 93, but never really took interest in it um, until I started having my surgeries when I was younger and I would watch this in recovery. And I that's when I started really loving this movie. Um, and I mean, that's pretty much my experience with it. It's definitely one of my top 10 sci-fi movies. Um, I put it in kind of the same category as The Abyss, which is a movie that we'll do at some point as well. Um but I really, I don't really want to talk about this one that much because I want to know what you guys think about it. So, okay. Whoever wants to go first. Well, I had seen this once before in high school, so it's been a few years since I've seen it. Okay. Um, but I know I knew enough about it to make references. Cool. And jokes, <laughs> um, mostly about mashed potatoes. Um. But yeah, I remember watching this in a music and film class because, you know, John Williams, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, we watched the whole thing. We wa- It was a weird class. We watched this. We watched David Fincher's The Game. Oh, interesting. And we watched tidbits of a bunch of other stuff that was in the textbook, uh, like Superman the movie, <laughs> Saturday Night Favor. <laughs> but those are the two films I remember watching. Oh, and we also watched uh, Lady Hawk. Whoa, Matthew Broderick and Michelle Pfeiffer, which was a weird choice because the teacher, I remember the teacher being like, now this is a, this is the use of modern music for the time period in a setting where it doesn't belong and it doesn't work like a knight's tale. I'm like, uh, what? Uh, no, you're wrong. He like, I think it works. A knight's tale is fantastic. Yeah. Um, have you tried watching a knight's tale recently? Don't you ruin the night, a night's tale for me? I'm not going to say anymore. Uh, oh no! It's it's a it's a fun movie, and but see, it has uh, nothing to do with the music, though. Oh, it. I mean, I'm. Is it Chaucer? Is it the fact that they have Chaucer as like a naked drunk guy? Because I think that's fun. No, no, it's just. I think the reason why I loved it so much was the soundtrack, and I watched it recently, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I only like this because of the soundtrack. <laughs> oh no. I, I mean, I like it for the cast. Heath Ledger, Mark Addy, Alan Tudyk, uh, Paul Bettany. Like, if you enjoy it, you ma- enjoy it. That, that's great. His Chaucer has vision. Yeah. It does. <laughs> um, Wanda vision. Oh. Uh, yeah. Can't wait. Uh, so, yeah, that's my experience with this movie. It's not one of my favorite Spielberg movies, but it's worth revisiting every once in a while, you yeah. know, like every 15 years to talk about it for a podcast. So, <laughs> yes, I do. I do own the soundtrack on vinyl. So okay. that's, that's one cool. of my that's one of my John Williams collection. It's that Jaws and Star Wars. It's a solid and collection. In the, last, and the yeah. oh, and and uh, and Superman and The Last Jedi. OK. Yeah. So. Well, those are staples. So, yeah. Yes, I, I mean I don't know what I would do without my Last Jedi score on vinyl. <laughs> so I guess that leads us to Devin, who had never seen this before. Yes, yes, it does. So this is one of those movies that I'm genuinely shocked I've never seen before. Uh, mostly because I've had the Blu-ray in my possession for about ten to fifteen years. What? Uh, yeah, my dad gifted it to me. 
like 15 years ago and I went great. I can't wait to watch it and never watched it. <laughs> Devin, having, having known your dad, did he hand it to you and say, this is important. This means something. <laughs> he did though. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, nah, I don't oh, get man. that reference and just <laughs> sailed on by. Uh, I think well, it, I appreciate that reference. Oh, good. I think it was because he watched me watch UHF and Weird Al does the mashed potato joke in UHF and he went, oh, you don't know what that means? I'm showing you what that means and yeah. bought it for me and then I never like never watched it and it was always one of those where like I'd see it like out of the corner of my eye and it'd be like soon and I'd never actually like soon never happened until now. Um, and it was one of those movies that like like Jaws were like. I think I knew what was going on in the movie. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be like a rival, but with music. It wasn't like a rival, but with music. Uh, it was way better than I thought it was going to be. And it must have been the version of it that I saw on. I, I didn't even use my Blu-ray, guys. I used the uh, Amazon one where you stream it from there. It was beautiful. Like, I didn't know this movie looked so good and held up so well for most of it being very obviously practical effects like it was good and like yeah. some of the scenes in this movie are way better composed than like i think i suspected it of being like jaws but with aliens and the plot of arrival and like no i was wrong like <laughs> i don't know why i do that uh but this was way better than i thought it was going to be and way broader in scope and there was a lot about it that, like, despite me knowing, like, the mashed potato scene and the mashed potato scene, okay. um, <laughs> there was a lot about it that surprised me. Good, good, good. Did you, did, you, did you at least recognize the tones? I did. I knew the tones. I didn't realize the tones would be caught in my head all day because mm-hmm. for some reason they're just catchy and it's just five notes. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I'll randomly whistle. Yeah. Every now and then, because I mean, I watch this movie probably about twice a year, but under my current condition that I am now, mm-hmm. I have already watched this like four times since I got out of the hospital. Oh, like, wow. I don't know why. Like there, uh, there's a handful of movies that I call recovery movies from mm-hmm. like, whenever I go to the hospital, get out, I have a month and a half to have to recover. Then this is one of those movies that I watch on repeat. Um, mm-hmm. cause it's comforting. You know, there's, you know, like, yeah, there are some moments that are, you know, like high anxiety type stuff. But Mm -hmm. other than that, really isn't because it kind of suffers from that 70s movie feel (laughs) that I mention occasionally because there are some drawn out Mm -hmm. scenes, but it works because Steven Spielberg knows what he's doing compared to other 70s directors. That's my personal opinion, Uh, though. So, no, I'm I'm with you with that because, yeah, Yeah. scenes were drawn out, but they never felt like they were drawn out because sometimes a movie will be like. I have to draw this scene out because that's what they do. And like these felt purposeful. Mm -hmm. Especially like uh, the perfect example I have is when they go to India and they're showing them walking up the hill and Mm -hmm. and everybody else is scattering in the background. Like that's per that there's a purpose to that because they Mm -hmm. talk to the leader and they said, where, you know, where, where did you hear the sound? And he walks up to the top of the hill where that thing was, that ship was, and then the guy shouts out, you know, whatever that scene, they show them walking for a pretty good time, but there's purpose to it. It's not Rocky walking down a street for no reason. Right. So, Hey, I've got to step away from my computer for a second. You guys keep going. I'm going to join on my phone and listen. Okay. got it. Um, okay. but yeah, no, I, I really like that. And I mean, even the, I mean, even that scene I thought was cool because it showed one of the things I was surprised the most about with this movie. So I knew that I think it's Richard Dreyfus. I knew that his character was like obsessed with like I knew he had some kind of encounter. I knew that he became obsessed with it, but I didn't understand that it was a worldwide phenomenon. What this was, yeah. I didn't under like when the first opening scene started with the lost world war two pilots are like these planes that were like in pristine condition from world war two in, I forget where they were in like Africa. Was it? No, uh, it, uh, it was in Mexico, Mexico. I was, I was shocked. Cause I was like, Oh, I didn't know this was more like, I, I don't know. I didn't know it was a bigger movie than that. And it was like world world spanning. See, I feel like you probably haven't seen this, but I, but I have a feeling 
you probably thought this was going to be more like fire in the sky than anything else. I don't know what that is, but maybe fire in the sky is a movie that's based off, uh, is, uh, is based off a pretty famous alien abduction story. Okay. That, uh, that an, an American citizen, uh, claimed to have had, and he was a logger and he got abducted. He was missing for a few days and they found him at like a diner. Um, and he swears that he was abducted and fire in the sky is about that abduction where this one guy gets abducted. He has this experience. He goes nuts because of it and nobody else really believes him, but Mm -hmm. he has PTSD from it. And he, and in the film, they have flashbacks to what actually happened to him. And they actually have like his story of what the ship looked like, what the aliens did. And so I kind of have a feeling that's kind of what you thought was happening. It was a little bit, but I knew the communication piece had happened. Like I knew the five tones and I knew that the aliens had, I thought the aliens had sent those to us and that was us communicate. Like we were like, what do they mean? And then like spent the whole movie, like trying to figure it out. And then like Richard Dreyfuss came in and he'd be like, it's a language mic drop. And like, (laughs) that wasn't what it was. And I was really grateful for it. Although I'm going to nitpick. That is my least favorite part of the movie is the hand signal for the five tones. They're five separate tones. Two of the and hand signals are the same. No, it's one's the flat hand. Yeah, the flat hand. And then the one's the fist. Is it the, and then it's the fist again. No, and then it's open, Out closed, in. is one. That's an actual scale that they used. That's oh, is an it really? They didn't thing. make it up yes. for the movie? No. Oh, well, I respect those it so much Those signify those tones. Those oh, signify I'm... tones, like actual tones. I'm not sure if they, because of because of what I was reading, I'm not uh-huh. sure if those are the tones for those uh, particular sounds. Um, but those are actual hand symbols for musical tones that they used in the film. So, so those are they they do exist. Okay, see that's why I'm glad I talk about this stuff because like that's just me being like cranky and like ah those are the, they're doing the same one twice. Stop being lazy, yeah. Steven Spielberg. And like <laughs> I didn't need to do or be that guy. Yeah. So, um, Alan, have you been able to hear what Devin's been saying? Yes, but I just got back. Okay. Welcome back. Okay. Isn't it just the hand motions for the like a theremin, like the musical instrument where yeah. like the electronic thing? Oh, is that, yeah, it? Is that a theremin? Is? Yeah. Okay, okay. So speaking of tech, um, the synth, the uh, synthesizer keyboard that they use at the end of the film. Yeah. Um, the guy who's playing it was the technician who showed up from the company that came to install it for the movie. Steven Spielberg saw him trying to teach one of the other actors how to use it. And he was just like, no, you're my tech. That's cool. So he had no acting training and yet he was able to like act better than like half, than like half the people that were on that (laughs) runway at the end. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that part in, in the film. Can can I, can I talk now? Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. I was actually going to go to shower. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to go to you. So, so, Devin, what was your favorite practical effect in this? Because I think for me, it's Richard Dreyfuss's truck flipping upside down. Um, I don't know what, why that one struck me, but it it just I really enjoyed that. Was there which one stood out to you the most? See, here's the thing: is I think the parts that in, impressed me the most this is going to sound like a total non-answer. So hold on. Um, I think the parts that impacted me the most were a lot of the like, a lot of the like wide angle, like, like, like big scene shots. Like there was a scene where they're going up to Devil's Peak, I think it's called. And like, it's at dusk and like Richard Dreyfuss is like sitting on the side of a mountain and like, you just see like the sun setting and it's so freaking pretty. And like, I think it was around a lot of the, like that scene, like everything from that point on. I thought was so cool looking. I mean, and I think if I had to pick a, like a practical effect that I liked, I liked the mountain they made in the living room a lot. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I know my answer to that is the nine foot tall model they made of the mothership. I had a feeling those were real. I didn't know it was that big. 
that thing was nine feet tall. The model wow. they made that they flipped upside down. Yeah. And everything that's nine foot tall model that they built. And, and he kept it in his garage, Steven. So was this how, okay. I didn't look this up purposely to talk about it. How early was this in Steven Spielberg's career? This was 77. Jaws came out in 72. Okay. Th- this was allude- his next big movie. Do they allude to Jaws? And I know this is skipping to the end, but do they allude to it a little bit? Duh, like the, duh. Yeah. Duh, is that duh. on purpose? Yeah. yeah, it is. Okay. I think so. I mean, it's John Williams like, too. Yeah, the whole time I was like, that's Jaws. What are you doing, aliens? Yeah. Um. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so those would have to be, it was that nine foot tall spaceship. Alan, what's yours? Favorite practical effects? Yeah. I already said the the truck flipping. Oh, that that's right. Sorry. I <laughs> But if I had to choose another one, it's Dustin Hoffman throwing the bricks through the kitchen window. <laughs> <laughs> and then his Not kids Dustin Hoffman, Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I want to do that a lot. I don't know why, but in my mind Richard Dreyfus and Dustin Hoffman are the same person. I'll buy okay. it. I'll buy it. Yeah. Um so... so can we talk about Richard Dreyfus's character for a little bit? Yeah. 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 Um so Richard Dreyfus is, a, is an asshole, right? Oh, yes. yeah, he is absolutely. And his character's not good either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I like that. <laughs> so I feel like some of us have. I feel. I think one of us has a Richard Dreyfus story. Unless I've told it already, but yeah, I don't think you told it on the show. No, we didn't talk about it during Jaws. I tried to get you to talk about it during Jaws, but I wasn't about to ask. Be like, "Hey, Devin, do you want to crap on a celebrity?" Like, I wasn't about to do that because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was trying to get you to to tell the story. So I do have a Richard Dreyfuss story. He, uh, my uh, my wife used to work at a hotel in Hollywood, where uh, well, actually in Burbank, which would hold this like celebrities gala but it actually wasn't celebrities it was like celebrities everyone forgot about so like richard dreyfus was a big character there and like a couple people from some tv shows you've probably never heard of and like i don't know like those kinds of people and like romana like you know obviously didn't watch a lot of american tv in the 70s or american movies in the 70s so she doesn't know a lot of these actors so this guy comes up to her and goes hey i locked my key in my room can I have a replacement key? And she goes, okay, I'll need to see your ID. And he goes, you don't know who I am. And she goes, no, I'm sorry. He goes, kids these days, I can't believe you don't know who I am. And she goes, I'm sorry. It's policy. We need to see your ID. And then his wife, Richard Dreyfuss, wife comes up and goes, you don't need to see his ID and passes a picture of them on the red carpet together and goes, I think this will suffice. And it didn't suffice because it didn't help her figure out who they were. So then eventually one of her coworkers was like, I know it's fine. He's Richard Dreyfuss. Here's his key. And like he went up to his room and was like, kids these days. And like the conversation after was like, you don't know Richard Dreyfuss? She's like, I don't. From what? And they're like, Jaws. And she goes, I know the shark. And they're like, from Close Encounters. She's like, I know the aliens. And like, that's all like she knew, which was great. (laughs) <laughs> oh man. Richard so, Dreyfus. So basically he is the embodiment of the character from um uh what about Bob? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Where he played himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so speaking of his character, like there were a couple of choices he made that I was like, dude, like he was like unnecessarily not great to his wife all the time. So I'm glad you brought this up. I'm pretty sure I, the, when I saw this the first time, I saw the other version of this movie because there were two versions of it. Yeah. Uh, there's a version where he doesn't come off as bad and the wife leaving is more abrupt and looks bad on her. Oh, wow. But in this version, it's completely justified everything she does. Oh, yeah. Because he's a complete ass and he just like straight up abandons his family. <laughs> So the way that I take this, I don't really see him as being an asshole. I see him as being obsessed by something that he can't get out of his head. Because it happened to him after he had, after, uh, is after his experience. And he just can't get it out. And they show him with model trains. So he's a modeler. 
I mean, he's obsessed, but the obsession goes too far to the point where he just doesn't care about his job. He doesn't care about his family. And there are the aftermath of that is his family leaving. Like he loses focus. He loses touch of what of reality and is obsessed with this obsessed with this mountain uh, that he makes out of mashed potatoes and then the whole backyard and the neighbor's yard. Uh, so the obsession gets to the, to the breaking point for the wife where she has to protect her kids from what she's seeing as a mental nervous breakdown. Well, yeah. And the thing is, I don't fault the wife from leaving. I don't think she's bad for leaving. It's just, I don't really see him as being his, to me, his issue with his is basically out of his control. Yeah. Well, in the other version of this film, it makes it look like she's just upset with him for no reason at all. It cuts out some of the throwing the bricks through the window stuff and just makes her leave with the kids. You don't even see them drive away from what I read. I think the part that bothered me about his character was when he was like about to like go down to the like army training or the army base where the aliens were. And he was like, "Ah, I'm going to kiss this woman. That's not my wife. I'm like, you guys aren't really broken up. Like you don't need to be doing this stuff, man. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I have, I have a a joke about that, but I'll, are we into like the spoilers of the ending? I well, I think I might have done that already. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, then then he knew he was leaving, so he's like, you know what? Got to get it while I can. He knew he was leaving. You think so? I don't think he knew he was exactly leaving, but she. But I mean, his wife left him. That phone call that he got. That's was, that's what I interpret that as is that she was gone with the kids. I'm gonna be honest. That phone call scene. I know that there are tense scenes in this movie. That scene made me yell at the at the at the screen because like like more so than like any other scene did because i love the construction of that scene i love he's on the phone he's walking back and forth foreground background you see the mountain that he's made in the background and you see that newscast about the mountain he's made and he keeps freaking missing the mountain when it's on tv (laughs) and the whole time like just turn dude turn around dude, stop it. And like, I understand you're on the phone with your wife, but it's right there. And he does like at the last possible second. But, and I don't know why that scene got me, but that scene got me. Like I got really into that scene. Good. Good. <laughs> good. So yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm happy that you like it just because of all the mashed potato nonsense that's been going on. It was on. all week. Like I'm just happy. So, you <laughs> know, um, so one thing that I want to talk about uh, about is terminology, and okay. even though we haven't brought it up yet, I figured I'd bring, I just bring it up now because it fits. Um, the terminology, contact of, of the third kind. Do you guys know what the reference is? Yes. Oh, okay. Devin, do you? No, okay. I missed it. So, okay. there, there, Alan. No, uh, I'll let you explain it. I've got it up on my phone. Then we're going to play a game. Okay. Oh, no. So there's a scale. When it comes to alien contact, contact of the first kind is basically just seeing lights in the sky and seeing a UFO. Contact of the second kind is finding physical evidence of aliens. So like a cornfield, um, a charred piece of ground somewhere that can't be explained, that type of thing. Um Contact of the third kind is literally physically contacting one or more aliens. And then there's contact of the fourth kind, which is alien abduction, which that term did not exist when they made this movie. Because because the argument can kind of be made that it should have been called contact of the fourth kind because he leaves with the aliens at the end. Right. But he goes willingly. But he goes willingly. True. true. So... You kind of ruined my game. Oh, no. Were you going to have us guess what the other kinds of. Yes, but there are more extensions of this. Well, because that I did not know. Because isn't the sequel contact of the fifth kind? What? There is a movie. There is a movie called fourth kind. It's not even related to this. Yeah, it's not. It's about alien abductions with Liv Tyler in Alaska. What? It's not good. I saw it in theaters. And, it's not good. And the thing is, um, it's one of those movies that pissed me off because it starts with, these are based on real events. And no, they're not. <laughs> Don't make me start talking about Fargo again. Yes. <laughs> um, so the fourth kind we already talked about, the fifth kind is a UFO event that 
involves direct communications between aliens and humans. So actual conversations. Oh. The sixth kind is the death of a human or animal associated with a UFO sighting. So if a UFO shows up and kills a bunch of cows or blows up the White House, <laughs> like an Independence Day, or that's the sixth kind. Now, the seventh kind is where it gets freaky. Oh, no. Literally, the seventh kind is the creation of a human-alien hybrid by either sexual reproduction or by artificial sci- scientific methods. Science, stop it. No. Okay. Was that, that the last that's, one? That's Jay, that's Jay saying, I'm going to go to Mars and fuck a Martian. It is. Like, no. <laughs> he said it, and science is like, we need a term. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, so, Alan, you said before that you saw, because what uh, the film that you saw that you said that makes the wife seem more of a bad person compared to the mm-hmm. one that we watched, this was the first movie to be... Uh, this was one of the first movies to have a special edition made. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So Jaws, Steven Spielberg was the start of the summer blockbuster. Steven Spielberg also started the trend of having special editions or director's cuts. So here's my question. Um, this movie was a big success in the tail end of 1977. Do we think that's mostly because of star Wars and the everyone's obsession with space? I wanted to bring that up because that time period seems right. Like I remember I had a, a cousin's house that I used to go to all the time. And his neighbor had this like sign in his window that was like, it said like alien testing years. And it was like 1960 some to 1980 some like the seventies were right in the middle of it. And like, it seemed like everyone was talking about aliens at that time. So maybe. Well, I I think the I think the movie would have been as successful even even if let's say Star Wars came out in like December of 7 uh of 77 or maybe even in like January of like 78 um simply because just like Devin said the 1970s were a hotbed for like aliens that's when a lot of like quote unquote like like books came out about well- uh, about aliens, uh, the the uh, chariots of the sky or of the stars. Uh, a lot of the people they talk about on that ancient alien show, like a lot of the older ones, they wrote books that came out in the seventies. So I guess what I guess what I'm trying to get at is it, the timing of this film is impeccable because you had Star Wars over the summer going town to town in all these different theaters because you didn't have multiplexes back then. Oh, right. It was the drive-ins. It was the local town theater that would show the same movie for weeks on end if they were lucky. And then it would move on to another town. So you get Star Wars over the summer and then you have this come out in the winter. Like, like I feel like anyone who's excited about space stuff was like, oh, yeah, there's another space movie. Like, I love Star Wars. Let's go see this they one. They got their year. Yeah. No, I think okay. you're right. Yeah. I mean, that totally pans out because... You could definitely bump it up a little bit. Well, also, like, I think that in general, alien movies don't do well. I mean, this is an exceptional one, so I'm not going to call it a generic alien movie. But I don't think that alien movies are a genre that's a particular goldmine unless it's done right. Yeah. Well, there's one thing that this movie has on Star Wars and that this is the most screened movie ever. Is it really? There, There is a campground... At Devil's Tower, that plays uh, this movie every single night since this movie came out. That is so cool. So it's technically the most screened movie in the United States. I feel bad for that proje- projectionist because he's just like, this is important. This means something. <laughs> How are you doing today? This is important. This means something. That's all he it's says. All, <laughs> that's all he says. So, so He's like Hodor, but it's just, <laughs> this is important. This means something. <laughs> So, um, w- w- uh, one of three of the questions I have, um, mm-hmm. who is your guy's favorite character and actor? Now they don't need to be the same thing. They don't need to be the same person. So who is your favorite actor in this character? Could be the same person could not be wanted to know. Easy. I love Carl Weathers in everything he does. <laughs> so I love Mando. I, I got so happy seeing him in this. It like okay. made my morning. Uh, for me, 
it was the French guy. Oh, yeah. No, I liked him. The guy that they kept making do different jobs just because he's around. Yeah. Yeah. uh, He's I think he's a director, actually. Oh, no, no, no. The uh, the French guy, the one who actually spoke French, the one who was doing the hand signals. Yeah. No, oh, he never was mind. Some, he was, You're thinking of Bob Babbitt. I am. Yeah. No, uh, he was oh, asked man. by Steven to actually be in it. Um, and he said he wasn't an actor, so he was going to play himself or something along those lines. I liked him. And then I also liked not Morgan Freeman or maybe Morgan Freeman. I don't know. <laughs> yes. My I, wife and I both looked at each other and was like, is that Morgan Freeman? Because, <laughs> again, this is a movie that my wife actually watched with me for the podcast. Oh, wow. Um, and we are both like, is that Morgan Freeman? And then we couldn't figure it out. Ryan, do you have notes on that? Yes, I do. Um, that no. has been a point of contention with a lot of fans on blogs for years because nobody can actually find the right answer. But I found something that might actually might actually answer it. That scene... Supposedly, those are all real air traffic controllers. Steven oh, Spielberg wow. had real traffic controllers come in and do, um, and do, uh, and do, and do, and do, and do that scene. Me personally, it's Morgan Freeman. That's my head cannon. That is Morgan Freeman. That is one of his early roles. So to me, it is. But I like the fact that they used real, real air, air, air traffic controllers because I have a family member who was an air traffic controller out of O'Hare airport in Chicago for a long time. And now she works for the center that looks over the like Northern region of, of, uh, of the U S and I can tell you that they have though that happens not a lot, but it happens where they find UFOs on radar. They have planes avoiding them. And then, and then when they go to want to make a report, the pilots decline because Later that year, when they have their review, they pull a file out about a UFO sighting and they could lose their wings. Wow, really? That crap happens. That's another thing. That's another reason why I really like this movie, because they base a lot of this in what actually happens with alien contact. And to be honest, air traffic controllers see it. Pilots see, you know, they occasionally see, uh, they they occasionally see this stuff, and occasionally it does cause havoc. But nobody wants to make it official because they don't want a UFO sighting on their record, because it could be used against them. Wow, I read that 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 scene wrong. Then I thought all the pilots weren't reporting it because they were like so shaken. They're like, I don't even want to talk about it. Like I didn't know it was like a, I could lose my wings for that. No, that's a thing. And wow. that's completely 100% like factual of how those situations happen because nobody wants to report it because they don't want it on their record. Wow. But I can tell you from her that, that they've seen weird stuff on, on the, the, the radar screen and, and, and the radar they've been using since the seventies. You don't get ghosts. You don't get ghost images. That doesn't happen. So, Here's a question for you guys on this topic. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a UFO? Oh, yeah. I have a video of it on my phone. And I'm not like that guy. I'm never that guy. I'm like the <laughs> most skeptical skeptic in the world. But I was – it was in LA. I was walking to my bus stop. And I stopped at the bus stop. It was like 20 minutes till the bus was going to come. And I looked up. And there's just a black triangle in the sky spinning slowly in the same spot and it was there until I got on the bus. And I don't know what that was. Like, I've never seen a black triangle spinning in the sky. And maybe it was a weather balloon and I'm just a dum-dum. But, like, I don't know that. I don't know that it wasn't a weather balloon. Well, triangles seem seem to be the uh, the newest fad in airship alien design. So, I mean, oh, it might be. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Oh. Um, I hope so... it's like the Crocs of airship design, though, and they regret yeah. it in, like, a year. um so my favorite character and actor my favorite character is the french scientist the one who comes up with the hand signals like he's my favorite character my favorite actor is richard dreyfus because i love how he portrayed the dad Mm. i mean he did a good job yeah he he, uh he he really did now were there any moments that that were bad that you were like no i don't i don't like this or like took you out of the film It's a good question. Uh, oh, yeah, there, there is. What took me out of the film was the little kid's mom. 
because I looked up what she, I knew her from, and I was like, oh, she's the mom from A Christmas Story, and I do not like A Christmas Story. Really? Yeah, oh. not a fan. No, I so think you... I watched it too much as a kid, oh. so that it, that took me out of it. Okay, I okay, and this is gonna be annoying. So hold on. I love <laughs> the reveal of the alien when the door comes down and it's like you see the silhouette. I think that's awesome. I hated the children in costumes, <laughs> and then loved the animatronic. Okay, um, a little story about the kids in costumes. The studio yeah. uh-huh. wanted that to be crystal clear video. Oh wow! The film director was telling them no. These outfits are hideous. We want to make this as blurry as possible. And they had a fight about it. And finally, and finally, the studio backed off. Wow, because good. they did make a crystal clear version of it. And they realized how bad those costumes were. <laughs> um, good. Mine is when Richard Dreyfus and the mom is going down to the runway. And, uh-huh. and you hear the guy on the PA. And he's like getting people in position. And then he says... It's a wonderful evening for something like this. And my mind went straight to the movie Airplane with the two people on the PA are like fighting over what's loading and unloading the red zone or the white zone. And I just lost it. Every time I watch this movie, that takes me right out of it. Like, why would you make a comment about the weather? Like, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, one, uh, so the music. I, I wanted to bring this up because I don't know if Alan knew, knew this or not, because I feel like this is right up his alley. Um, Steven Spielberg had John Williams score this movie before it was edited, and then Steven Spielberg edited the movie to the score. I didn't look that up. That's cool. Devin, I like that you a say? lot. I said, oh, I love that. I really like that idea a lot. Like, because, I mean, John Williams' score was perfect. Like, yeah. Of course you do that. Yeah. And it was just one of those things where like I saw it and I'm like, oh my God, Alan's going to love this. And so, and man, John, John Williams had a great year in 1977. Mm-hmm. What else did he do? A little Star Wars. Uh, little, oh, yeah, right. Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> a new hope. Oh, that yeah. one. That little I, I knew that. I knew that you were going to do that. You know, that little film. Like, no, I'm not going to let him say it this yeah. time. <laughs> Um, no, I, well, I was going to call Devin out on that because uh, like, oh, just just a little film called Star Wars. Like, uh, I feel like that time it was justified. Oh, oh yeah, true, uh, true. Okay. Um, so, did you guys pick pick up the Jurassic Park reference that I think Steven Spielberg made made a reference to in Jurassic Park from this movie? If you guys didn't catch it, that's fine. I've no. seen this movie like a thousand times. So, okay. No. So when Richard Dreyfus comes you know like jumps off the ladder and is starting to walk on to where the runway is mm-hmm. one of the technicians as 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 the mothership is coming down or is like as all of the ufos are flying all over the place a, a tech runs into him and runs into one of the porter johns <laughs> <laughs> like scared for his life and nope. i caught that um i caught that last week when i was watching this with Kristen, and i was like oh that's funny and she goes what and i said you know the lawyer from jurassic park he did the exact same thing so i'm wondering if uh, that was like a little tidbit because he he seems to, to like to do that type of stuff like having john williams put you know a little bit of jaws into the whole communication part at the end mm-hmm. so i thought that was cool there were a couple yeah. <laughs> Are there were there any lines in this that you guys liked? And maybe it was because I was like completely like loopy, tired watching the movie. But there were a couple lines towards the beginning that I just thought were funny. Like when Richard Dreyfus was getting his kid and he was like, Come on, you gotta come out here. It's gonna be better than goofy golf. <laughs> like, what, what kind of comparison are you making? It's be he's it's not a, going nuts. It's, it's not a line, but the scene where they load up all of the government vehicles and throw like the Piggly Wiggly and the Coca-Cola signs on the side of it. I was like, oh, so I can't trust any vehicle I see on the highway now. Thanks, Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is like, because it makes you wonder. Yeah. yeah. The 70s were a hotbed and was the start of a lot of like anti-government conspiracy theories. Um, for people who know their conspiracy theory history, you got Blue Ridge 
that happened prior to Waco. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that stuff has has to do with, you know, government conspiracies, them doing things and hiding vehicles. Um, and this isn't part of those conspiracy theories, but there's a conspiracy theory out there that the U.S. government has a black trucking fleet. And it's called black because of black projects that the government does that's off books. And they're disguised like Walmart trucks or Amazon trucks, but they're carrying stuff that probably shouldn't be legally transported on the highway, but they're doing it because it's easier for them to do it that way. Alan, you shook your head. Because they're the government. (laughs) Yeah. Alan, you kind of shook your head a little bit. Have have you heard of this about this before? No comment. Okay. All right, so, so I had a, they're listening, man. Yeah. They're listening. They're everywhere. <laughs> Friend of the show, the U.S. government. Yeah. So, um, I mentioned before that I was going to uh, talk about a car crash. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there was a stuntman that was injured in the making of this movie. Oh. So during the cop chase, where the police are chasing the UFOs in the highway, which is one of my favorite scene like parts of this movie. Yeah. Um. The, the the cop car misses the turn and goes right through the guardrail and like flies off the cliff. Um, yeah. He was supposed to skid out and slide off the cliff. Um, he was in the hospital for about a week with head injuries. Oh, no. Um, but they only got one take because of that. And so they used that scene. So when that cop car goes flying off the ridge... It wasn't supposed to do that. And he went through a wooden guardrail that was not meant to be broken through. Wow. I wondered why they didn't show the aftermath of that accident. That would be why. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good reason. Um, And uh, something to bring up, uh, one of the last things I have, uh, Richard Dreyfuss. um, And this goes into kind of his like snobbiness a little bit. Uh Um, One thing, he persisted to be in this movie. Um, uh, and they went to Al Pacino and Jack Nicholson first for the, for his role, but they wanted too much money. Um, so they went back to him, but he persisted annoyingly for years because he heard about this movie on the set of Jaws. Um, he heard Steven talking about it and he really wanted to do it. The second thing is when they were doing all of the recording, like they had no effects for the actors to act off of. They were just Mm -hmm. telling them. You know, be like, you know, like what you're seeing, and then they were going to put it in later. Mm-hmm. Richard Dreyfus was pissed um, after uh, after the first screening because he said that if he would have known what he was going to be looking at, he would have acted differently. Oh. And to me, separating the person from you know the performance, I like him a lot in this because of his performance. So mm-hmm. I'm happy he didn't have anything to bounce off of because I'm afraid of what he would have done because he tends to kind of like to overact um at points uh case in point when he's being interrogated and he stands up and he slams his fist into the table now granted that was a good point for it because it worked mm-hmm. but there are times that he does that and it just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work out but there were some parts in his yeah. performances that I was like that's the choice like when he yeah. was being interrogated and he first walked in and he like is just sitting there like smoldering at the camera I'm like, <laughs> no, not enough. That's what you wanted to go for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, uh, I guess the only thing I wanted to add, the deleted scenes that I remember from the extended version compared yeah. to this one, um, is at the end, you actually see inside the ship and it's all glowy and orange and speckly lights and more aliens. I was going to say, I watched that. Um, It gave me a bit of, this is going to sound weird, but it gave me vibes of Independence Day Resurgence. Okay. Just like the inside of the the spaceship. And you get a little bit of that in Independence Day, but more so, you get more of it in Resurgence because it's just a massive ship and this whole community of aliens living inside of it. Like, it's like almost like it's their home planet and not just a ship. Well, that's what I thought when I saw the ship design anyway cuz it looked like there are like buildings on the ship. And like yeah. towards mm-hmm. the end when the, you watched it fly, I went, "Oh, are they nomadic?" And like it, it was cool that the ship design told so much. Yeah. Um yeah. Th- th- there was an R2D2 on it. 
No, there wasn't. I'll send you guys the picture I took, but there's an R2-D2. And I'll let everybody listening watch 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 the movie closely, and you'll see the R2-D2. It's part of the design of the ship. Um, That's cool. But yeah. So. Um, so I did have a question, and I, I mm-hmm. want... I probably want you guys to speculate unless you know. Uh, what happens to Richard Dreyfus at the end? So, like, I know he goes on the ship, but, like, what's a week later look like for Richard Dreyfus on that ship? Like, Close Encounter of the Seventh No, guy. don't do that! <laughs> With the really gangly alien they showed in the first uh, <laughs> sequence. I hate it. Why didn't gangly alien come out? Gangly alien scared me. Gangi Alien gave me nightmares when I was a kid. That's why I, I didn't really like this movie when I was younger. That's a legit phobia of mine. I don't know what it is about gangliness, but like it scares me. Like the the werewolf in one of the Harry Potter movies is like a gangly werewolf, and that was like the scariest version of a werewolf they could have gone with. It almost looks like the the aliens from Camino. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And if you're going back to like a. Uh, Spielberg movie, the aliens at the end of AI. I don't know if I remember those. Um, are they gangly? Yeah. Oh, they are. So, yeah, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> so I had I had a bit of trivia I wanted to bring up about this. I don't know if you guys knew about this, but we've talked a lot about Star Wars coming out the same year as this movie. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas are very good friends. Mm-hmm. They did Indiana Jones together. They, I think they came up through college together. Mm-hmm. They, they made a bet <laughs> the year that these movies came out. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much betting which movie would be more successful. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to find it. They bet they'll, they'll trade points. Uh, George Lucas said, I'll give you 2.5 of Star Wars if you give me 2.5 of enca- of Close Encounters. Oh, no. So, Spielberg made... So, this one... Okay, Star Wars made 70, $775 million. Mm-hmm. Close Encounters made $304 million. Oh. So, Steven Spielberg... Uh, made out. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. I mean, George Lucas didn't do bad with the merchandising rights to Star Wars, but but that Spielberg Spielberg won around forty million dollars from that bet. Wow, that's and, all said and done. And when you also consider that it, uh, that was that they spent twenty million on making, uh, yeah, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That that says something. Okay, so my my last question is: What is the best Steven Spielberg alien movie? I, I can list a, list them off for you. Please if you do, because yeah, I can only yeah, think of this one in okay. Super Eight: Clo- Close Encounters of the Third uh-huh. Kind, uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, right. um, War of the Worlds. I'm not counting AI, eh. and then Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal oh, no. Skull. <laughs> oh, this one! It's this one! It's it, it's hands down this one. I would definitely say this one, and but then ET comes very close because I feel that ET, this movie, and the Predator movie all happen in the same universe. What? Yeah. I think the argument could be made that these aliens are the same aliens from. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, though, too. I can see that. I've Gross. never seen that one, so I can't really tell you. But Guess I do believe... Next week. That's fine. But I do believe that this movie and Predator are in the same universe. Weird. Because of one actor. Carl Weathers? Carl Weathers? Uh, the, the soldier that... Yeah. Carl yeah. Weathers? Yeah. Carl Weathers, yeah. That makes yeah. me so happy. I Mendo. <laughs> I don't know actors' names, so I mean Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed, yes, yeah, yeah him. Yeah. So to me, it and here's the thing: it lines up. Seventy-seven. This movie came out. Predator yeah. came out in eighty-seven. That's a ten-year difference. That that's enough time for a guy who belongs to an army specialist group that deals with aliens to work his way up the chain to be in the CIA to deal with more aliens. 
All right, I'm sold. I I'm sold. So, so that means that Close Encounters of the Third Kind takes place in the Alien Predator universe. What? Which takes place in the Blade Runner universe? Which takes place in the Blade Runner universe? How are we tying ET to this though? Oh, uh, simply because of the kids' reaction to the aliens in, in the kitchen, and the way that they tore apart the fridge. No. Okay. <laughs> which also, which if you connect to ET, also connects to Star Wars because the ET exactly. aliens are in the Galactic Senate, mm-hmm. oh, right? But isn't somebody dressed up as Yoda in ET? Yeah, and and ET stops and looks at him because he looks familiar. They're yeah. friends, so he's like, "My friend, wait, no." Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. It's all connected. So, yeah. so Han, Han Solo and Chewbacca travel through space and space, crash land on Earth, and then are found by Indiana Jones. I'm not mad about that. I want that to happen. So, Devin, we just took your favorite alien Spielberg movie and tied it into other great alien films. I want to I've never wanted to write fan fiction before. I want to write fan fiction now based on all of this. It would be cool. It would be cool. Someone make that happen, please. Oh, uh, it's it's probably out there on the internet. Oh, I'm sure. Everything's on the internet, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. So, any other final thoughts on Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Man, it holds up. It's visually stunning. And the, the soundtrack and the score for it's amazing. And, like, I mean, this was way not what I expected in all the right ways. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it again. I might have to add it to the rotation a little bit more, because um, it's it's been sitting there for a while. Um, but it makes me want to watch ET. Mm-hmm. So, because I don't think I've ever seen ET the whole way through. <laughs> uh oh. So yeah. I mean, and 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 I am happy that both you guys like it because this is my like top one of one of one of my top ten sci-fi films. So. You know, I feel like you say that every time you make us watch a sci-fi film. <laughs> and we're going to be running out of your top ten here soon, well, I think. We've already ran through it. Besides, I mean, it always changes. You can ask me next next week what it is, and uh-huh. I would have added three other films to it. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a, a It's marker. a living list. It's, it's a living list. It's a living list. <laughs> it's always changing. Okay. Yeah, it's... It, Believe me, it's always changing. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week. Uh, make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at You Have to Watch This Podcast. You can listen to this podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps, including Apple Music, or sorry, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Audible, and TuneIn and Alexa. Um, you can email us at you have to watch this podcast at gmail.com. And until next time where I have the guys watch a movie that I haven't decided on yet <laughs> for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. They can fly rings around the moon, but, but we're years ahead of them on the highway. <laughs>